Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. Thank you, Denise. Thank you for your leadership with the kids' ministry. If you don't know, she is our children's ministry director. And wow, a lot of energy back there, lots of wonderful things back there. There are so many volunteers, and as part of that, the middle schoolers have a class of their own. They're in here with us during worship, and then right before the message starts, they go off into their own classroom. So if you have kids or guests that you bring with you that are in the 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, they do have a class for them, and everybody younger, from the newest baby that you want to trust them with, and they're amazing back there. you got some awesome moms and grandmas back there, um, all the way up through through eighth grade. Once you hit ninth grade, you get to stay with us because you walk through so many of the the same things that we do. Rod and Val send greetings. They are in Colorado. They are visiting family, uh, celebrating Thanksgiving, uh, family birthday there. The only request I had of them was very different than Fred's request. I asked that they leave the snow and cold weather there. (laughs) Anybody with me on that? Um, Sorry, Fred. No snow for you this year. You're not in Chicago. I trust each of you enjoyed your Thanksgiving. I know for us it was a great time with family. And even as we see everything that's going on in the world, and can we agree that there's evil in the world? If you watch any of the national news, you heard this past week about a shooting in a Walmart where six people were killed by a co-worker. It was 30 minutes from where I lived for 56 years. Um, lady from our previous church knew two of the victims that died. So we know there's some evil in the world. We know the devil's not taking many naps. He's still active. But as we've sang in the worship time this morning, we don't have to fear that because of who our our God is. And as the theme has been this year, I am so thankful for God's goodness. Anybody else thankful for God's goodness? We could take the rest of the day and just parade you up here one at a time and talk about the good things. It may be in a million different areas of life, but there are so many good things that that have happened. I'm so thankful for my family, for my friends, for my health, for the church family. I wish each of you could stand up here and look at all these beautiful faces. I mean, just, just what a wonderful crowd and met so many new people this year. What a joy it has been so far. And I believe that our best is yet to come. We've seen some amazing things. We have some struggles we're still going to face, but our best is yet to come. And what better time to think about that than during the Thanksgiving season and as we approach Christmas. So buckle up tightly because God's going to do some amazing things in and through us. And we know for the ones of us that have a relationship with God through Jesus that this is a season starting today that we call Advent. Advent is for the next four weeks where we look with anticipation the celebration of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know if you celebrate Advent every year. There's a lot of commercial items out there, calendars and posters and and different things. Or if you don't have any clue what Advent is, one resource I will recommend to you, if you have the YouVersion Bible app, there are several devotions that are offered there that you can have a devotion each day to help prepare our hearts, our minds, but mainly our hearts for the celebration of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So I know Harlan 
touched on it just for a minute, but before we get into today's message, let's just deal with any guilt we may have from Thanksgiving. <laughs> First of all, how many will be truthful enough to say you ate too much? Okay? Ask for forgiveness and promise not to do it again until at least Christmas. Okay? And then we won't be distracted by that. God is a good God, and, and he will forgive us. Um, you know, as I've been thinking about this message, and I was talking to Pastor Rod actually two or three months ago, it's something that's just been kind of stirring in me and germinating in my heart. And if you've ever taught a class or presented a message, then you probably have the same experience that I have to where during the preparation process, God is working on you. He's chipped some things off of me. He's um, j just revealed some things to me that I'll call them tweaks, but some changes in life. So what I'm going to do today is share a few of those things with you and hope that they will resonate with you. You know, as we prepare for the Christmas season, a lot of times we focus on part of Luke chapter 1, which foretells the birth of Jesus. And then on Christmas, we focus on Luke chapter 2, the birth of Jesus. And they're great, and we will be looking at those this year. But I'm going to spend our time this morning looking at Luke chapter 1, the foretelling and the birth of John the Baptist. One of the greatest stories in, in the Bible, they're all great, but one of my very favorites. And as I look at it, I can see so many parallels of what goes on in life today. It's not just a historical writing it's not just something that we learned about um, many years ago. So as we're into the, the first chapter of Luke, and as we prepare for the birth of Jesus and the manger scene and the three wise men and their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Um, by the way, you know, if it would have been three wise women, they would have brought diapers and wipes and a casserole, right? <laughs> Some things that, that could have helped. Um, we're just not wired that way. So just before we get to the birth of Jesus, let's look at some things about the life of John the Baptist and his parents in the community around him. And I've titled today's lesson, From Impossible to Possible to Extraordinary. Extraordinary. If you're like me, there are things in your life that have seemed impossible. Anybody in that boat with me? Maybe once or twice in life? Beyond our capabilities beyond what you thought could really happen. And even if you believe God could do those things, did you believe that he would do those things? Whatever it is that, that you may be thinking about. There may have been some times in your life with God when God did answer your prayer, but he answered it very differently than you thought he would. That has been a lot of my experience. Maybe not in your timing, maybe in his timing. And many times, much better in a grander way and looking back in a much, much better way than we thought was ever possible. So have you ever experienced the extraordinary of God? You know, he is extraordinary, right? It's nothing like anything we've ever seen or, or even imagined. In Ephesians 3.20, it's not my text for today, but one of my favorite verses that kind of sets it up. Now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us 
to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. That's one of those verses, you, know, you may even have it memorized, and we read it tens of times, hundreds of times, thousands of times. But is it routine, or is it something that we really grasp and something that we really believe? So today we're going to look how God worked in and through Jesus' extended family. So let's pray before we get into the, the Word. Father, we thank you for today. I thank you that this room is filled with people that have experienced the extraordinary of your goodness. Father, I know in the reality of life, we're still going through some things here on earth. There are some things that we may currently think are impossible or maybe think a little bit possible, but we're still not sure. So I pray as we go through this time together this morning, you'll help us each to focus on what you would want us to hear, not on what you we think you are going to say to our spouse or to our kids, but for us, deep down into our heart. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. There was a couple who were well into their golden years named Elizabeth and Zechariah. Zechariah was a Jewish priest in the sixth verse in the first chapter of Luke. We're told they were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the commandments and regulations. You know, a lot of times we talk about when we get to heaven, we want to hear that phrase, well done, my good and faithful servant. But what about while we're here on earth, if God refers to you as being righteous in his eyes, careful to obey all the commandments and regulations? But there was a very big void in their life. Zechariah and Elizabeth had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and by this point, they were both very old. Having children was not something that they just wanted to do. A lot of a woman's identity and value was in being able to be a mom back in those days. I mean, it's important to ladies now, but women were treated a lot different then, um, and women without children were looked at, looked down upon uh, just because of the fact they could have been the most wonderful people in the world, but if they didn't have children, they were not looked at the same. It was disgraceful for a woman not to have children. So let's pick up in verse 8 in Luke 1. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. And then in verse 11, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. Isn't that re the reaction we see so many times in Scripture when people are in the presence of an angel of the Lord? There are several examples throughout the Bible. You would think, you know, I say, oh, I would be just joyful and wonderful. No, I'd probably be a little scared too to be in that presence. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. We'll talk about the significance of the name in a few minutes. Something to note here, Zechariah was serving in the temple. He was doing what God created him to do, and we'll discuss this a little deeper in a few minutes. In verse 11, we read, he was serving when an angel of the Lord appeared to him. I do not know about you, but as I look back at my life during times of wanting to hear from the Lord to get an answer to a specific prayer or get direction, I heard from God when I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. 
There is a time to be still. There is a time to be quiet. Psalm 46.10, very clear to that. Be still and know that I am God. But that doesn't mean be still and don't do anything until your prayer is answered. Again, God has answered my prayers when I'm doing what I'm called to be doing. And I suggest the same may be true for you. When you want to hear from God, be active in doing what he wants you to do. Verse 13 tells us Elizabeth and Zechariah had been praying to have a child. This was not just an idea God came up with out of left field. He didn't just show up to people that already had children or that didn't want children and say, I'm going to give you a child. They had been praying for this. The angel of the Lord went on to say that the son was to be named John. Let's look at what the scripture has to say about that in verses 15 through 17. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord, talking about their son, John, who will be born. By the way, you know, um, the angel didn't say his name's going to be John Baptist. He, he kind of got that handle, you know, that, that title, but his name was going to be John. I'm not sure that uh, denominations were really prevalent back then. Anyway, just a little side note. In verse 15, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. When I was preparing this message, it was all I could do not to just follow that rabbit trail and make that a whole message in itself, but I'll just leave it as it says in Scripture. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. So Zechariah's got a little shot going on here, and angels appeared and told him they're going to have a son. And if that's not enough, what does he tell him about his son? He will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit before he's born. He will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. He will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Man, that sounds like a prescription for what we need in the world today, doesn't it? Amen. It would have been great if just after hearing from the angel of the Lord that Zechariah would have said, Awesome! Great news. I'm so glad you're bringing this news, and I believe everything, and let me run home and tell Elizabeth. But sadly, that's not exactly what happened. This was not his response. And I'm not picking on him because I have an idea I would have had a little bit of this in me too. He questioned what the angel said could happen. He took his mind off of what the angel said and focused on his circumstances, on their circumstances. I'm an old man, and my wife is also well along in her years. So, guys, listen to how that's put. He didn't say my wife is old, okay? He says she was well along in her years. 
You may think that says the same thing. That don't say the same thing. That might be a little lesson for us. Anyway, Zechariah focused on his circumstances, not circumstances, not the angel's message, not what he had been praying for. Did he believe this was even possible? Did he believe the very thing he had been praying for was possible? What happened is the result of his disbelief. Did God change what he had planned? No. Your level of belief is not going to derail God's plan. If he intends to do something, whether you believe it or not, you know, I've seen these bumper stickers that says, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. We only need that middle phrase. God said it, that settles it, as far as I'm concerned. No, it did not change the Lord's message. When we doubt God, we are the ones that suffer, not his plan. So what happened when Zechariah disbelieved? Do you remember? He couldn't speak. Wasn't able to speak until when? Until the birth. Wow. Quite a time. Let's pick up in verses 57 and 58. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. Imagine that. The baby was just as the angel said. So put yourself in their position a little bit. The angel said it's going to be a son, and she became pregnant. Did she know she was going to have a son? I mean, did she have proof of that? Did she go get her ultrasound? Did she go get her 3D ultrasound? I mean, those things they have now are amazing, and I'm sorry, parents, but those things don't look like mom or dad, okay? Oh, don't have mom's nose and dad's eyes. When they're in that 3D ultrasound in the womb, they're God's creations, all I can say. She had a son, just as the angel said. The neighbors wanted him to be named Zechariah, which would have been common for a newborn child because that was a family name. And back then, they didn't get the book from the library or the book from Amazon that had the 14,000 baby names in it, and you pick the baby's name, and you know how you tell nowadays if it's a good name, right? You stand out on the porch or on the lanai, and you scream that name at the top of your lungs, and you see how it sounds, because that's what you're going to be doing in the years to come. So that's how you pick a name nowadays. But it was much more customary then to pick a family name. So everybody just assumed the child would be named Zechariah, but that's not what would happen, and as a result of their obedience, Zechariah could speak again. Let's look in verse 59. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zechariah after his father, but Elizabeth said, and Elizabeth had to say it because Zechariah couldn't speak. Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What they exclaimed There is no one in all your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again. And what's the first thing he did? And he began praising God. 
that, I like so much in those verses, but that last phrase just really spoke to me. Picking up in verse 65, all fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. The hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. So let's go back and look at a a few of the steps that they may have been thinking or, or things they went through. The impossible. In their minds, in their probably their family, friends, and neighbors' minds, the impossible was Elizabeth becoming pregnant and she and Zechariah becoming parents. And then maybe they progressed to the possible. They were praying for a child. Could this mean that at least somewhat they thought it was possible? After Zechariah told Elizabeth about his encounter with the angel of the Lord, maybe they thought it was just a little more possible. And then the extraordinary pregnancy and birth of a son. This is all they really ever asked for was a child. But God takes things to a whole new level. God had greater plans for their son than they could have ever, ever imagined. As I think about and as we think about Zechariah and Elizabeth's story, it's easy to second-guess them. But I asked myself numerous times, and I'm asking you, where is your focus? On the impossible? on the possible, or on the extraordinary. This verse is not on the screen, but 2 Corinthians 4.18 gives us the guidance we already know, but maybe we need to be reminded of. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Let me remind you of the verse we read just a little bit ago. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. I think we would be doing God a disservice and we would be doing Jesus a disservice based on what he did for us on the cross if we just stopped there. If we said, that's it, that's all, we're just going to learn a history lesson today, we're going to get some knowledge up here, and we're going to walk out a little bit smarter and and maybe picked up on something that we either didn't know or we were reminded of. But I don't believe the Bible is just for intellect. It is for intellect. We should know it. We should hide his word in our heart so that we don't sin. We should grow in our faith by reading his word the greatest love letter that's ever been written. But we need to apply it in the way we think, in the way we act. So I know we're all in different places today, and there are so many questions we need to ask. So what does this mean to you? What does it mean to me? What in your life have you written off as impossible? 
What in your life do you believe is at least a little bit possible? Are you ready to believe for the extraordinary? Because I've got some things in my life that I've been praying for for a week or two. I've got things in my life I've been praying for for years. And I don't mean one or two. I mean years. And I haven't seen them come to pass yet. But I believe they will. I'm not God. He is. But I believe they will. We just looked at one example in the Bible of how God does extraordinary things in the lives of ordinary people just like you and me. There are many examples in the lives of people in this room and people that are watching online of how extraordinarily God has worked in and through you. Maybe knowing what he has done in the past can give us hope for the future. And I don't believe he has stopped. I don't believe that what we've experienced up to this point is the end of it. And he's out of miracles. He's out of the extraordinary. He's out of blessings. I believe he's got more than we could ever imagine. But for the next few minutes, I want us to think about our lives individually. If you're married or have your family with you, you can think about it as a couple or a family. But just between you and God, ask yourself, what do you need to believe in him for? Is it a troubled relationship? That could be boyfriend, girlfriend. That could be husband, wife. That can be a child with their parent. That can be a parent with their child. It could be a friend. It could be so many different types of relationships. How about your finances? Are you living in the impossible now? Or are you believing for the extraordinary in your finances? What about your health? You know, many of you have heard me say this. I refuse to believe I'm getting old. I'd rather say I'm high mileage. <laughs> and sometimes my body reminds me of that. But we have some bumps in the road with our health. Do we believe that the things we need fixed in our bodies and in our minds are impossible? Or are they possible? Or are they extraordinary? Are you addicted to something in life? Is it to things on the computer screen that you know you have no business looking at? Is it alcohol? Is it drugs? Is it food? Is it the praise of people? Is there something that we're addicted to in life that we need to believe that God can break to? About your job or business? You may be the owner of a business. You may be the lowest paid on the totem pole or anywhere in between. Are there things in your employment, in your business, in your job that you need to believe for the extraordinary? What about school? We have numerous people here in, in different generations that are currently in school, and some don't believe it's possible that they can learn, especially the ones that have been out of school for a little while. I know when I had a good number of years of break and then I was back in some college courses, it was like, hey, God, this isn't funny. I'm not 20 anymore but he worked some, some amazing things. But even with all of these things, what about your relationship with God? Because, you know, we can fix a lot of things on earth, we think. We can believe God for the possible in a lot of areas of our life. We can believe for the extraordinary in all these things I've just listed. 
But if we don't have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus, all of that is temporary. There's only one thing that's eternal, and that's our relationship with God. You know, and earlier in the message, I said we would talk more about Zechariah serving, even when his prayers for our son had not yet been answered. And again, boy, this is where God worked on me. He worked on me many years ago, and when we're going to listen to a song in just a minute, and maybe you'll remember it from years ago. But this is an area that I'm still working on, or maybe a better way I should say it is, I should let God continue to work on me. So the question is, what do we do while we are in that waiting phase? Everybody loves to wait. Have you heard people talk about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5? It doesn't say the fruits. It says the fruit. So to me, that's a package. It drives me nuts to hear people, Christians, say, I'm going to pray for all of them, but I'm not going to pray for patience. So we don't want only most of what God has for us because I believe God can give us patience too. And again, if you're a parent, you know, if you spend a lot of time with me, you may really have been tested in some of your patience. But God will give us patience. So what do we do in the waiting? I want to encourage you, keep your eyes open, or you can close your eyes and reflect for a minute while we play this song by John Waller, While I'm Waiting, and then we'll talk about it for a minute. Yeah. 
So let me ask, while you're waiting, are you hopeful? Do you acknowledge that waiting can be painful? Are you waiting patiently? Are you peaceful? While you're waiting, do you move ahead, bold and confident? Do you take every step in obedience? Are you serving? Are you worshiping? Are you running the race God has for you while you're waiting? If we really believe deep inside, our Heavenly Father is not only the God of the possible, but also the God of the extraordinary, we will pray differently. We will talk differently. We will act differently. We will impact the world differently. Let me say that again. If we really believe our Heavenly Father is not only the God of the possible, but also the God of the extraordinary, we will pray differently. We will talk differently. We will act differently. We will impact the world differently. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how you can use it thousands of years later to meet us right where we are. I thank you for your loving goodness. I thank you for the miracles, the extraordinary that has happened and continues to happen in the lives of the 
the people in this room and people watching online. God, I thank you that we get to see that you're not a God who just was, but you're a God that is and a God that will ever be. God, I pray this lesson, even though, or this message may have a little heaviness to it, but it'll be hopeful. That God, we've, we'll take the things that are in that category of we believe are impossible and we'll move them over to the possible and the extraordinary categories that we believe. And God, I love the phrase I've heard so many times that when it comes to things that we're praying for, we pray about it like it depends on you, and we work at it like it depends on us. And you determine where they meet. They may meet in the middle, or they may meet closer to our end or closer to your end. But I'm reminded that you parted the Red Sea when they took a step. Father, thank you that you didn't just create us as passive beings that we just sit back and just expect you to do everything. On the other extreme of that, thank you that our salvation is not by works. Thank you that it's 100% based on grace and faith. So, Father, I pray for each person here. I believe there are many listening that there's something just in the forefront of their minds right now that fits into one of these categories. I pray you'll give them hope. I pray you'll help them to apply what Zechariah and Elizabeth went through to their lives today. And God, I do pray for the extraordinary in each person here. In Jesus' name. Amen.